You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1278 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube on the video side. Uh, today's show, we'll get into Basically, the summer league opener for the Hawks, which, tra- which transpired, I should say, on Saturday afternoon slash evening, depending on where you were watching the game. And at the end of the show, I will have some thoughts on Frank Kaminsky, who the Hawks ended up bringing in as their third center on the roster uh, earlier this week. So we'll dive in now. A little bit of disappointment at the, at the beginning of this process for the Hawks. As uh, For one, Hawks fans, I know we're waiting for summer league to get kicked off for the Hawks because he's been playing since Thursday or even earlier this week in, in uh, Salt Lake City. And San Francisco, but the Hawks got it got underway on Saturday. But there was a little bit of a uh, red flag on Friday. Laura Williams of the AJC reported this, and then I was confirming it later on to be true. But the Hawks did not play either Sharif Cooper or AJ Griffin in a scrimmage against the Clippers behind closed doors, of course, on Friday. Um, and both were listed as sort of day to day through that process, according to the Hawks. Griffin with some foot soreness, and then Cooper with some right thumb soreness. Then Coming in, of course, that once that word broke, all kinds of Hawks fans asking like what was going to happen for the game on Saturday. It was kind of a TBD until pretty close to game time. But in the end, Griffin did not play. He was ruled out before tip-off with what the Hawks were calling right foot discomfort. That's a notable change from soreness to discomfort. Um, by the way, I'm not aware of any historical issues with his foot for A.J. Griffin. But uh, as I talked about a lot with the uh, sort of in the aftermath of the draft, even before the draft, Griffin's a guy that's had some injury issues in the past. He had some ankle issues, some knee issues, did not play a lot of basketball between like his junior year of high school and his arrival at Duke, uh, also had a late start at Duke, et cetera. But I'm not, at least, at least than I'm aware of, there's no actual foot issues, but certainly a lot of leg stuff for Griffin, which is not necessarily great at this point in time. Um, also, so he did not play at all on Saturday. Sharif Cooper warmed up, ended up playing, and was not fantastic, which we'll come back to, but at least he was on the floor. I'm sure the Hawks would be pretty cautious with all of these guys. It is summer league. I will say that now and probably again later on. If the Hawks have any concern about health stuff, particularly for guys like Griffin and Cooper, no reason at all to play those guys if there's any concern whatsoever. But Sharif ended up playing. Um, also, Max Heidegger was held out, held out with a back issue, so the Hawks were down, uh, down two guys in this spot. I do understand Hawks fans being frustrated overall with Griffin not playing in particular. You throw in Jalen Johnson's absence, by the way, who is, if you're just now joining us on the program, Jalen had an offseason procedure. So he's in Las Vegas. I actually saw him there today, um, but he's not on the roster because he's not necessarily uh, able to play right now. So the last two first round picks not being around for Summer League is not exactly exciting for fans. I totally get that. Um, and also, Hawks fans didn't get a, get a lot of chances to see Jalen Johnson last year because he was in College Park, unless you were watching a lot of G League basketball, which I watched some of, but still, fans were not necessarily dialed in to all of that. So I would stress that while it, it's always fun to see guys in Summer League, the actual impact of not playing Summer League games is not very large. Um, it does help guys to get some competition, but the real work of the offseason is done off of the game floor and behind closed doors in most parts, and even you know in practice, that kind of stuff too. And at this point in time, as I record this on Saturday evening into Sunday, there's no indication that Griffin's like ruled out for the week. We'll see if he's able to play. Um, Cooper as well, of course, who ended up playing today, but 
I understand the frustrations, but I'll say this. I covered a summer league or two earlier in um, in this process, like even before the podcast started in the mid-2010s, where the Hawks might have had one guy on the roster that was actually in Las Vegas. Even with Griffin out today, the Hawks had Sharif Cooper, they had Tyrese Martin, who they just drafted, and they had Shondi Brown, all of whom are on the roster, or at least projected to be on the roster this year. So there's a lot of intrigue even without. Um, obviously, it would be better if they had Johnson and Griffin playing for fans. I understand that. But alas. Okay. As for the game itself, um, before we get into that, uh, I'll just say I saw a lot of different guys from the Hawks organization that were in the building in the building today, briefly interact with a few of these guys as well. But it was Trey Young, Jonte Murray, John Collins, notably at the game, uh, Nate McMillan, Nick Capella, DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson, as I mentioned before, Nick Kongu is here, Landry Fields is, is here. I saw him today, Bogdanovich, among others. I'm sure Travis Lake is somewhere close by. I didn't see him, but I'm sure he's close by. Um, David Millen did an interview, actually, where he said he went to Oklahoma last month to work with Trey Young, and they had some discussions about what his improvements can be and also the sort of more off-ball work there. Nothing hugely surprising, but always notable here from the head coach in that setting. Um, but, yeah, I thought people were like sort of asking this question, so I'll weigh in now. I don't take much from Collins being there, but obviously if you are someone who wants him to stick around, it's not a bad data point that Collins has been uh, court, was courtside court today cheering the team on. Um, and Noel also sort of said in passing something about Collins being on the roster. Um, you know, he's never going to say anything otherwise, but as I've been saying the last few days now, maybe even more than a week at this point, with every passing day, it seems more likely to me that Collins will be back on the roster. So uh, it, it's, it's just one data point. I wouldn't assume too much there, but um, just for people asking that question, I want to say it out loud. Okay, as for the game itself, probably a little bit shorter than obviously a regular season game breakdown, especially without Griffin. And the Hawks did not play well. Let's just say that at the top. Um, they lose this game 72-66 to the Jazz, and that's with a late push by the Hawks. In fact, they lose this game by six points. It never felt that close, really, at any point. Um, even at the end, it was not really competitive, necessarily. They, caught, they did try to make a push later on, but just that's, that's worth noting. The starters in this game, Sharif Cooper, Tyrese Martin, Marcus George's Hunt, Shondi Brown, and Alpha Kaba. Basically the group that I would have projected, honestly, except for with George's Hunt instead of A.J. Griffin. Um, there were other guys who played real minutes, of course. In fact, um, I thought the best player for the Hawks in this game pretty clearly was Justin Tillman off the bench, the College Park standout from last year. Um, and the Hawks, though, just had all kinds of turnover issues. The offense was just brutal the entire game. If we're being honest, even by summer league standards, I've watched a lot of summer league basketball in the last you know several years that I've been here in a row. Uh, it was pretty rough sledding. Talked about them for the Hawks offensively. They had a bunch of turnovers early on. They had four in the first three minutes or so. They were down 15 to four at the outset, missing seven of their first eight shots. They had one bucket. It was actually a putback dunk that was uncontested by Alpha Kaba. Um, in the end, basically, the Hawks played everyone that they had other than Anthony Jeruji of Florida in this game at some point that was available. Griffin and Heidegger were unavailable. And Grant Golden, the third center, only played four minutes. But everybody else was kind of in the rotation for the most part. They played 10 guys, um, which is kind of what you want to see for the most part. I was a little bit, um, maybe not confused, but like wondering aloud about Tree Cooper not playing that many minutes. He wasn't very good, which is certainly something that's probably part of that. But um, notable for sure. Um, as the game went along, the Hawks offense was not particularly good. It got a little bit better. Um, they brought Sharif back in he actually came out pretty quickly in the first quarter i was wondering if they were going to kind of rule him out and say he was just not healthy enough to play ended up coming back in so i'm not sure if that was summer related and you know, nick finessel the head coach of the summer league roster kind of downplayed that definitely credited him for competing in this game but he was not necessarily himself physically in this spot he jump right away that was his one, his one bucket of the entire game it was right after he came back in in the second quarter but in the first half the hawks were 11 of 36 from the floor one of 12 from three and three of nine at the free throw line that is a brutal performance on offense, plus turnovers. So there wasn't a whole lot to like in that first half. 
Um, in the third quarter, they got it to 10 a couple times. Shawnee Brown hit a three. Um, Tyree Smart got to the line for six attempts pretty quickly in this game, but actually only made two of his first six. Uh, and then, un- honestly, it was almost instantaneously. They were down by 18 again when the Jazz made a couple threes. There was some good defensive activity, I will say, throughout this contest. We'll sort of say, talk about that later later on as well. But I thought in the half court in particular, the Hawks were pretty good for the most part. There were some ball um, sort of ball, ball containment issues around the perimeter at times, but I thought they were okay. Um, when they were having to get back in transition, it was not pretty. And that's kind of a typical summer league thing in a lot of ways, but it was pretty ugly in that way. And then also the third quarter, I thought the point of attack defense kind of waned a little bit. And that was uh, allowing Utah to get some better shots and some more penetration. They were down by 17 points in the third quarter. They did score the first six points of the fourth to get kind of within 11 and kind of in striking distance. But really, as I said before, this game is not particularly competitive for the most part. And uh, we'll get into all the sort of observations that I have from this game, big picture stuff in a second. But that's kind of what that, what I would say is sort of a broad overview. The Hawks were not good in this game. The offense was not good. The bench was better than the starters, for sure, along along the way here, especially with, with regard to Tillman. And I thought Joel IE was pretty good in this game as well. But the shooting numbers were really, really gross, even for Summer League, and we'll come back to that in a second. Before we get to that, though, and of course, Frank Kaminsky talk at the end of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and the NBA Masters right now with Summer League in full swing. The draft, of course, already happened. Free agency is mostly done at this point, and all eyes are on the future. With that in mind, Bet Online is the number one place to fire away on the futures market, and Bet Online is also the top source for all of your betting needs, sports information, both in the near future. And always find all the latest odds, news, developments across the sports world. That includes summer league odds, major event stuff, MLB odds and scores and futures, latest fight stuff, and also looking ahead at college basketball, college football, NFL, NBA futures, and all of that in one place. And BetOnline also has other wagering avenues like live betting, esports, poker, and Italian casino games, plus much more. And other sports are also in the mix, whether you like the smaller sort of off-the-radar stuff like table tennis or cricket or everything else like hockey or golf, tennis, auto racing, rugby, lacrosse, uh, horse racing, entertainment bets, and all the sports that you want. They're all in one place online. Head there right now today at BetOnline on your computer mobile device to learn all about all the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, so uh, some observations from this one beyond what I said at the top. Defensively, I thought it was largely fine. Uh, there were moments where Utah was effective. I thought Jared Butler was good for the Jazz, who I've always liked, honestly, um, especially defensively, but he had seven assists in this game. And uh, Utah is, by the way, not the most loaded team. Like, if you were someone who wanted to put a few dollars down the Hawks winning Summer League, this is a bad result because Utah's team is not exactly loaded. I will say this, though, as a caveat to some of this stuff. The Jazz have already been playing together in Summer League back in Salt Lake City, so they have the leg up there in terms of, like, cohesion and stuff. Um I think there was a couple of players, and I think Shawnee Brown mentioned this as well as Man Exel, but just having only a couple of practices to get to get stuff installed is uh, very key. I know Glenn Willis, friend of the podcast, talked about this a lot. Not a lot of co- uh, sort of cohesion stuff going on there for the Hawks um, in this opener. Offensively, it was kind of a mess the entire way. I thought Ayayi gave some good pace in the first half, and particularly pushing the ball in transition. Um, I thought Tillman at center was much, much better than Cabo was in this game, just energy-wise and just the way the offense flowed when he played. Um, there was a lot of like summer league style bad shots, especially um, at you know sort of middle portions of this game. Guys like even you know Tyrese Martin took some bad shots in this game. I thought Chandler Hutchinson took some bad shots in this game as well. Um, that's going to be part of the ordinary stuff. If you watch anything beyond the Hawks in summer league, it's a lot of perimeter sort of one on one bad shot taking and some bad shot making, but still uh, that was a little bit of that for the Hawks in this one. And then turnover-wise, the Hawks only had 12, I believe, in this game. And I feel like they had 
15 or more. In fact, early on, I could have sworn they had seven or eight, and they only, had, they only gave him five in the first quarter. But um, ball security was a problem in this one. And, in fact, the Jazz also didn't shoot well. They were eight of 30 from three. If they made more open shots, it would have gotten even uglier for the Hawks at times in this one. Um, individually, we'll sort of go through this a little bit now. The headliner, of course, is Sharif Cooper, which with Edgy Griffin unavailable. And I thought Sharif was pretty bad, honestly. Maybe there's a little bit of a caveat there for the thumb issue, um, which which Van Exel did, like, did credit him for playing hard and competing in this game. I thought defensively, I will say, Sharif was pretty decent. He wasn't fantastic. He never will be. But he gave them some pretty good effort defensively, I thought, in this one. But offensively, it was truly a struggle for him. He was 106 from the floor, 04 from three. Um, two assists, but three turnovers. Uh, no rebounds, just kind of a lackluster showing from Shrefen. It would be that he's like looking awesome in summer league as a year two guy who played a lot of minutes in the G League last year. Um, that could still be the case. I think that Shrefen's still a talent, but it was not exactly a fantastic performance in terms of your best player on the floor here for the Hawks. Um, elsewhere, uh, Tyrese Smart is the other headliner of the of the available players as the second round pick from this year. He was also pretty bad in this one. He was one of nine from the floor, one of four from three, and missed four of six free throw, free throw attempts. Did have two steals and a block. But um, some bad shot attempts from Martin in particular, and his shooting was kind of rough. Um, as a caveat for Sharif as well in this one, I will say there was not a lot of space on the floor. Um, without Griffin and even Heidegger, who's not a great player, as I mentioned on the Summer, on the summer League preview, he's one of their better shooters. Really the only guy that was available for the Hawks in this game that I would say is like a definitely a plus shooter is Chris Clemens, who's a 5'9 kind of combo guard. Um, and they, they tried to play him a little bit more, but they really had really bad shooting uh, and bad spacing on the floor. Um, Martin, uh, there are some questions about his shooting. I know he shot well last year at UConn, but that was one of the things that even Landry Field says on, on, on draft night was that there are uh, at least concerns about his consistency as a shooter. That was definitely the case here. He took some bad shots too. I don't worry too much. He was still pretty active at times defensively, but um, he has the green light, it seems. He's taking advantage of that a little bit in summer league. Um, uh, Shawnee Brown was the other guy who actually was good in this game. There were two guys I thought actually played well, maybe a third if you want to throw in IIE as well. Um, I will say Shawnee Brown was one of them. 15 points to lead all scorers for the Hawks. Um, three rebounds, a steal, and a block for Shawnee. He hit three threes. He was the only guy on the, on the roster to make a, more than two threes in this game. And I thought Brown looked like an NBA player in this one. Uh, defensively, he is really good, um, even in this kind of frazzled setting. I like, I like what we saw last year from him as well. Nate um, Millen seemed to like him last year as well. He played a lot of three, almost extensively at the three in this one. And I will say, like, he's a he's a, he's a wing size player. But last year for the Hawks, if you weren't dialed in during this portion of the podcast or portion of the season, he was playing a lot of four because they were in that COVID-ravaged roster in December. But he is more of a wing size player. And he uh, he talked after the game to uh, the media and said he's sort of comfortable at the two through four, but thinks that he's probably going to be – majority of the time he'll be a wing. And that he is wing-sized, and him shooting well in this game gave some confidence as a reminder. Shawnee's actually already on the roster as a uh, as a two-way guy, so he'll be around, and I thought he played well in this game. I'll look the floor. Um, I thought Tillman was their best player other than Brown in this spot. Um, Axel praised him a lot, honestly, and he finished with uh, only 15 minutes of play, but 12 points, three rebounds, and a steal and a block. The offense was much better when he played. Defense was just was just as good as it was, was when he was off the floor in this one. The next one praised him a lot, said he loves Tillman, etc. He did say what everyone thinks, honestly. So it wasn't like I know people were kind of surprised that I shared that quote from Van Exel, but um, he said just plainly like he's that Tillman's a guy that everyone wishes was two was two inches taller, and that's just that's just the reality. I know there's some Hawks fans that are really interested in Tillman. I don't blame you. He's a really good G League player already. He was an All G League guy last year. The problem is he's a center and he's six eight. And not in a way that Kongwu is, where Kongwu is this like hyper, hyper athletic, also like incredible defensive field player. 
Tillman's more of an energy guy. Um, not that Okongwu isn't, but I think Okongwu's tools are just way better. Um, so if you're wondering why one guy can play center in the NBA, when the other guy, other guy can't, so Okongwu's really special, and that's why he can do it. But I think Tillman can play in the NBA. I'm not saying he can't for by any means. I would just not go crazy with him because he seems like he could be one of those guys that's like like sort of a quadruple, quadruple A player in baseball where like they're not quite there at the NBA level, but they're also like almost too good for the G League. That's kind of what he is at this point, I think. But we'll see. And I think it was plain as day that he was a lot more effective than Alpha Kaba in this one. I'm not, I'll be interested to see if they start at center at some point all the way here, but I thought he was good for sure. Um, elsewhere, like not a whole lot going on player-wise. I thought Kaba was okay on defense and also got some rebounds, but – um, so he basically had just no um, chemistry with Sharif Cooper at all, which definitely hurt him, as well as the lack of shooting on the floor when Sharif was out there. I thought IIU was good. Four points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block is a very IIU line. I talked about him a lot in the Summer League preview, but he's a guy I've always loved. The problem with IIU is that he is not exactly a dominant offensive like creator type or a great shooter, but he's a good ball mover. Great sort of secondary guy, um, good 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 defender, good rebounder, etc. He was actually a team best plus fourteen. I thought, I thought he played I thought he played well in this game. Um, further down the roster, the shooting was just hideous. Honestly, Chandler Hutchinson and um, and Etienne combined to shoot one of twelve from the floor, 0-5 from three. Uh, James Akinjo got some praise from from Van Exel for his defense. I think that was rightly so, but he was actually two of twelve from the floor. He was zero of eight on twos in this game. Then six assists actually, which was the most on the team, and eight rebounds. I thought he played great defensively. Akinjo is very very uh, sort of motor motor first defensively in this game, but I thought he played well. He was a guy who played uh, high major basketball at the college level, so not a huge surprise there. But Van Exel kind of praised him and said he went to him actually during this process and said, "Look, your calling card in the NBA is going to be your defense," and uh, I think he played like that in this game. You want to see him make more. Shots, obviously, than this, but I thought he, was, he gave him some good minutes as a backup center. Uh, sorry, backup point guard type in this spot. So that's kind of all I have on the game today. There wasn't a whole lot else to get into. Again, the Hawks' offense was just kind of broken. You want to see more from Sharif Cooper for sure. He's the guy that you have to kind of circle as like he's got to be better than this because it's a big summer for him. Not, that, not necessarily the games, but Cooper's still unsigned. Uh, both Martin and Cooper are competing for a roster spot, not necessarily to be on the team overall because the two way slot's still open as well. But they can't both be on two ways. So we'll see what happens there um, with Martin and Cooper. But they're both like under control by the team, but not signed just yet. So keep that in mind. And I think that Cooper will have better days, but he was pretty bad by his standards in this one. Um, as a reminder, by the way, here, uh, before we get to the rest of the podcast with, with Kaminsky, the assembly schedule is as follows. There's no game on Sunday, so the Hawks are still very, very light in terms of their scheduling, but it picks up on Monday. They play at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Actually, the first game of the day in Vegas overall, it's an only an evening slate on Monday. They play the Pelicans um, Tuesday against the Heat. So that's the second one of a back-to-back for the Hawks at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then they're off on Wednesday, and then Thursday they play the Spurs at 4 p.m. Eastern. So if you're uh, someone who's uh, not on, not not working in deep into the afternoon, there keep an eye on that one. And then TBD, they'll either be playing Friday or Saturday against someone, but that's not decided until the first four games are complete. Okay, before we get to Kaminsky and my final thoughts on that signing, at least reported signing at this point in time, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto, and there are so many makes and models right now in the auto world that it can all be really confusing. Plus, if you go to a dealership or a local chain store, all they want to do is sell you what they want to sell you, regardless of if it's actually the best option for you and your wallet. More importantly, instead of dealing with all of that, 
Access to rockauto.com is available at home or in your pocket. It's a much, much better option for you across the board. Why spend more for the exact same parts from a chain store or a dealership where you can order them at rockauto.com in a very easy way? Rockauto.com has been a family business for, with a customer focus more than 20 years at this point, and the prices at Rock Auto are reliably low for each and every customer. They have all the stuff that you need for your car or your truck. That includes, that includes I should say, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even carpet. Check out the website right now at rockauto.com today. See all the parts available for your car or your truck, and when you get there, do us a favor and write locked on in the box to ask you how you heard about rockauto.com so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, so it was reported on Friday and then later confirmed by multiple people, including myself. The Hawks are going to be signing Frank Kaminsky uh, to a one-year contract. It's going to be for the league minimum. He's a 29-year-old center, was a former top 10 pick in 2015 out of Wisconsin, was a heck of a college player. I believe he was a national college player of the year. Uh, only played nine games last year, actually had knee surgery, missed the rest of the season for the Suns. Woj reported that he is, quote, fully recovered, end quote, and that does line up with how long he's been out, so I'm not really worried about that necessarily. Again, it's a one-year minimum deal. Not a surprise really at all. Um, obviously, I couldn't tell you that it was going to be Kaminsky necessarily, but I thought the Hawks were always going to sign another third center. I've said that a number of times on the podcast the last few weeks. Um, that was always going to happen. And I thought preferably it would be a guy who could shoot, and certainly Kaminsky can do that. Um, it's been a staple of the Schlenk era, and I'm sure McMillan wants this as well, to have that third center type. Last year, of course, it was Gorgie Jang in this role. If you remember this from last year, um, they paid Gorgie more than the minimum. And the big reason why they did that was because Kongwu was hurt and they knew it. And he was going to be missing the start of the season. That was already happening. That was public knowledge. And uh, they used, you know, a sort of a, they used an exception to go out and get Gorgie, who was more established than Kaminsky is at this point in time. Now, this year, it's different because the role is even smaller. Last year, again, they, at least Jang and his agent knew he was going to be playing in the first half of the season for part, at least part of the time. This time around, Kaminsky has no guarantee of that um, because if Capella, Kongwu, and Collins are all healthy, Kaminsky may not play. That's kind of just the reality here. But if you get one injury, you get some foul trouble. He's a pretty pretty solid option, honestly. I think that they were never they were never going to go above the minimum to sign their third center with the current roster landscape and the way their tax bill might be looking at this point in time. But Kaminsky, when you assume or remember, just kind of the same thing as the Aaron Holiday signing. When you assume and kind of just taking the context that, look, no matter what, this is, going to, this is going to be a minimum signing for your third center. Kaminsky, given the way that he fits with his shooting and the fact that he's, he's an NBA player, he's proven to be that for the minimum. That's pretty solid, honestly. I'm not even the biggest Kaminsky guy, honestly. I think he's just a, kind of a fine player. He's just okay. But the shooting does have some value. And I think, for, again, for the minimum, this is a totally fine to good move in my mind. Um, as for some more on him as a player, he's a seven-footer. I'm not sure he's quite that tall in terms of but that's what he's listed at. His primary appeal is definitely his shooting. Um, 35% or so from three in his career, nothing crazy, but takes more than five or 36 minutes. That's, that's a really high number for a center. Not an absolutely elite shooter, but a very good shooter for a center. And honestly, it seemed like they might have wanted that because otherwise he wouldn't have been their choice. That is his big appeal. And defensively, he's not fantastic. Is he like a total disaster? No. But I think he's not very good. And they probably know that on some level. I will say because of the fact that he can shoot, people are already asking about a Kongwu and playing with playing with Kaminsky. I will say that's that's the kind of guy where a Kongwu, and we talked about this a lot on the podcast already, until he proves he can shoot, he probably can't play a lot of the four. But with Kaminsky shooting, you can play those guys together. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but Kaminsky is the type of center that you would have to put next to a Kongwu if you want to play next to center. The problem is, or at least one of the things is not necessarily a problem, that you just play with Collins if, they, if you're going to do that because Collins is just a better player, obviously, all the way around than Kaminsky. Um, but still, I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's an option. Uh, as a point of reference, Gorgie played in 44 games last year, 
played 371 minutes total last season. And again, he was signed in a situation where they already knew Okongwu was going to miss some time. So realistically, you know, injuries can happen, but if there is reasonable health for Capella and Okongwu, I think Kaminsky might play even less than Gorgie did last year on the whole. Um, but we'll see. Obviously, anything can happen. And again, a good good insurance policy from there. That's kind of all I have. If you have more questions, I'll, I'll be sure to answer them in the future. But a move that I like in terms of just the vacuum and, and the context, it's not a home run or anything like that, but it's a good good value signing for the Hawks at the minimum. From a cap standpoint, the Hawks now have $150.46 million committed right now in salary. That's just barely over the luxury tax line with only 13 players on the roster. Last week I did a show on this, or was part of a show on this. I'm not going to do the whole thing again, but quickly, the Hawks have to have at least 14 guys on the roster. So they cannot just go in with what, with, 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 with what they have now. But as I mentioned before on this podcast already, Tyrese Martin and Shreve Cooper are under, under control right now in some way, but not signed to contracts. So one of them could be in the two-way slot, one that could be on the roster. And if they just did that alone, they could be done right now with 14 guys, two two-ways, and they roll from there. Now they could go to 15 guys on the roster. That's allowed by any, any description, but tax-wise, the Hawks, you know, I've said this for a while now as well. It doesn't make a lot of sense to just be like barely, barely over the luxury tax. What you want to do is either be under or be like actually in the tax. Otherwise, it doesn't make a lot of sense because long story short, owners get money from the league as part of revenue sharing. If they stay under the tax, if you go a dollar over, you don't get revenue sharing. So there's no reason to be close to the tax unless you're going to be under. Um, at any rate, we'll see what they do with that. But uh I got a question every day from somebody about luxury tax. Right now, the Hawks are barely over. And when they sign someone, and again, they have to sign somebody else, even if it's Tyrese Martin on a rookie minimum contract, you're still going to be about a million over the cap. Sorry, a million over the tax, which is not a huge number, but it's it's notable. And we'll see what they do with that. They can get under during the season if they want to, et cetera. So um, there is no rule that the Hawks have to be under the tax when the season starts. That's crucial. Even if the Hawks want to go under and do not want to pay the tax this year, they can get under during the season by trading somebody or doing something different. They don't have to be under until much, much, much later. So keep that in mind as well. But anyway, 13 guys now. If they want to just roll with what they have under contract or with under control with Martin and Cooper, they can. And uh, yeah, I think the front court is pretty much set at this point in time with Capella, Okongwu, Kaminsky, and Collins can also play the four. Um, I mean, sorry, play the five, all, all four of those guys. Plus you have Jalen Johnson. Um, they have plenty of depth there. Uh, Harkless can play the four, obviously, as well. So they don't have a glaring need. I think some more shooting on the perimeter might, might not be the worst thing, but when you get um, Kaminsky there for some depth, that kind of helps you as well. We'll see what you we'll see what they do. But final thought here: uh, third center was the only spot um, as of this week that I was very, very confident they would sign somebody to fill. So now, now that's done. There's not like a, a move that they have to make. And if, if Collins doesn't get traded, if they don't make any more big moves, they can kind of roll with what they have now and be in perfectly fine shape. Okay. That's it for today's podcast. We'll have more after the game on Monday is my current plan. If something happens, as always, on Sunday or Monday, I will break in with an emergency podcast, even if it's a short one. But, um, yeah, hopefully you enjoy the podcast today. And always, please subscribe to the show on various platforms. Honestly, all the platforms. <laughs> Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, all those places, as well as YouTube on, on the video side. Please follow the show on Twitter at BT Roll. So, BT Roll is my Twitter handle, I should say. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, and we'll see you next time.